All right, have you guys ever online found an article, the headline, that you think is so ridiculous you just had to click on it? Right? You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, like where you're like, no, you got like there's absolutely no way. And then you're like, I need to read this in order that I can prove myself right. That like that, that was clickbait. The title wasn't what it was actually trying to say. Um, or maybe, maybe you're better than the rest of us and you just skip right on past it, right? You're like, nope, not doing it. Fake news. I don't have time for this. Let's keep going. Uh, back in 1835, there was a small newspaper in New York that published a six-part series about a new discovery that they had found on the moon. Uh, you see, they'd used new technology from South Africa, uh, and they were able to see closer to the moon than they ever had before, and they, what they found astonished them. Uh, they found uh, structures, roads, temples, uh, all kinds of flora and fauna, including these weird uh, humanoid bat-winged creatures uh, that look kind of like fairies. And so they spent uh, six uh, weeks publishing an article that would reveal more about the information that they had discovered on the moon. Um, people were interested. People bought the news articles. They read about it. It's even got its own Wikipedia page. That's how I learned all this. It's called The Great Moon Hoax of 1835, right? I mean, I don't know if it was satire. I don't know, like trying to make fun of people or like an honest mistake that someone heard from someone else and then did it, or if it was a shameless plug just to get more viewers, right? You know, or, or more, more readers, right, to buy, buy the newspapers. It was a hoax. It's not true. Uh, the, the, there is no life on, on the moon, right? Or at least, at least we haven't found it yet, but there's certainly not what this newspaper published as true. All right, so Christianity has its own fancy story that you'll never believe, right? It's the resurrection, like, like, we actually believe that a human died, was buried, and then rose again and lives forever. Um, we're, we're jumping into a brand new series this week. Uh, it's our Advent series. Advent is the first four weeks or the last four weeks of the year. It's four weeks before Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve gets to be kind of the fifth week of Advent. Uh, it's a little bit earlier this year. We're starting in November. Uh, but we're going to do a series where we're focusing on Jesus who he was. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve, and then we're going to go backwards through his life. We're calling a series Begin with the End. So we're going to look at significant events in Jesus's life that reveal who he is to us. Today, we're talking all about the resurrection. Uh, Kim mentioned it when she picked the songs, like this feels a little bit like an Easter, uh, but, but I'm not apologizing for doing another sermon about the resurrection. I feel once a year is probably a little too little for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So we're unapologetically going to talk about the resurrection this morning, uh, but not from the perspective of what the story was, how it happened. I want to look at the role that the resurrection plays when we're talking about Jesus. So when you look at the early church, what role did the resurrection play in how they talked about Jesus? Uh, how did they present the resurrection? And what it, well, how was it received? Right? So this will help inform us when we're trying to live God's love beyond ourselves. We're trying to share who Jesus is or even just talk with friends and family about the reason for the season about Jesus. How do we mention that whopper of a story, right, that Jesus actually rose from the grave? Um, that's what we're going to be looking at today by studying how Paul does it, how Peter does it, and how the early church did it. So let's bow your heads, bow your hearts with me. Let's pray. Let's ask that God would speak through his word this morning. Lord, uh, we thank you for your resurrection. Um, we thank you for how close you are, how real you are, how alive you are. I pray that you would be speaking, uh, be living here today, meet us here, speak through your word. 
um, help the, the messages that, that we receive this morning be from you and not just uh, from me up here on the stage, God. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to encounter you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so just to let you know how the resurrection is received, uh, I've got one quick verse, two-verse summary of the, the response. When, whenever someone in the Bible hears about the resurrection that uh, doesn't know anything about it, uh, there's, there's two responses that happen. Uh, and this is from uh, when Paul goes to Athens. He's, he's on his missionary tour, second missionary tour, and he, he's preaching largely to pagans, people that don't know uh, God. Uh, and so he does a really nice job of starting with where they're at uh, from a religious perspective, uh, very general, and then kind of brings it more specific to Jesus. And then the conversation ends uh, when he talks about the resurrection. Let me make sure that I get this correct. Ah, oh, it didn't work. Okay, good. All right, well, it says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. So this is the example of what happens when the resurrection is shared. Some people are like, yeah, like, forget that. You know, like, you're crazy, right? But then other people are like, wait, hold on. Like, could you come back and talk a little bit more about that? That's the example that we see time and time again. Uh, another example of how Paul uses the resurrection is when he finally gets arrested. So after he does his two missionary journeys, uh, he goes back to Jerusalem. He uh, kind of starts a little bit of a, a kerfuffle of sorts, you know, about the resurrection um, with the Jewish uh, people there in Jerusalem. He gets arrested by the Romans who want to kind of establish order, and then he's passed around from governor to governor. Uh, there's one time when Paul goes before this governor named Festus, and uh, Festus is like, okay, so tell me more about what happened. Uh, Paul tells him more about what happened. Uh, Festus is like, this is confusing. I have no clue how to do this. But then uh, the local king, the Judean king, Herod Agrippa, is in town. And he knows a whole lot more about Judaism and, and maybe could help him sort it out. And so Festus goes to King Agrippa and he's asking for help. How do I, how do I deal with this guy? Here's what Festus says. He says, when his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. Like that, that's the core of what Festus got out of whatever Paul had told him. Uh, it really was about the re resurrection, but even Festus is confused. He says, some, some dead guy, right, named Jesus, but Paul claimed he was alive. What do we do, right? And so Herod Agrippa, in this story, I don't have the, the verse here, uh, says, well, can we talk with Paul? I'd, I'd be very interested to interrogate him tomorrow. And so they set it up the next day. Um, I've got an extended passage here that I want to read from that next day, where it's Festus, it's King Agrippa, and then it's Paul in kind of like a public hearing. Because uh, he's, he's arrested, right? So he's, he's like on trial, like did he do anything wrong? And yet you could tell Agrippa's uh, interested to, to know, uh, tell me more a uh, little bit about this. All right, so uh, let me start in verse, I'm in Acts 26. I don't know if you can see it up there. Uh, I'm going to go verse 22 all the way down to 29. Uh, this is, we're picking up right in the middle. Again, uh, if, if there's something that piques your interest, make a note and read the whole story. Th these are good stories. All right, so verse 22 in Acts 26. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen that the Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. All right, to, to pause right there, Paul is taking the opportunity of defending himself to present the gospel, 
to present who Jesus is. No, this is what it is. And he's telling them the whole thing. Look, this is what the prophet said. And so here, this is what reality is. And says, at this point, I'm in verse 24. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. The great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Oh, what a line, right? Classic. It's like Paul's trying to defend himself, but really he's trying to convert the governor and the king. You know, no, this, this is real. You know it, right? Because Agrippa had that Judean background. He knew Jewish traditions. He knew and respected the prophets. And so Paul's saying, no, look, there is more. There is interest. Festus is like, you're crazy. <laughs> it's like, forget, you're insane, like, stop talking. You know, and, and those are the two responses we see time and again in the Bible. When you're presented with the resurrection, people are either intrigued, uh, tell me a little bit more, or they're completely turned off because it's ridiculous, it's crazy. And I just want us to, like, recognize the fact that it is crazy. It is, it is crazy that we, we believe a man died and then rose again. Like, if you don't have Jesus... Where, where would you come up with an idea of resurrection, right? So like from Festus, right? Or someone that never goes to church, right? Hasn't heard anything about him. Where do you even like understand or think about resurrection? Like maybe you look at like the seasons and you're kind of like, okay, so like as winter turns into spring, you know, the dead trees bloom and blossom again. So there's new life, you know, or a seed gets buried in the ground and then it sprouts new life. But like humans, like, no, they, they die and they stay dead literally every single one of them, right? I mean, that's, that's the way of nature, right? Or if you're going to think about resurrection, it's probably more in a negative sense, you know, like the walking dead kind of thing, like zombie apocalypse. You know, there was a rule in Rome that said you can't bury anyone within the city walls just in case, <laughs> you know? It's like, like let's, let's just make sure that, that our dead are going to be outside the walls. We'll just make our, our cities living. That's why they have like necropolises, you know, where it's like, oh, the dead people live over there, die over, you know? Like, what would it even look like for a resurrection? It's just, it's just sci-fi. It's wishful thinking, right? It's like that there's a whole civilization on the moon. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the craziness that we believe, right? And so then even if you go to church, and, and maybe just a little bit, right? You're a Christmas and an Easter attender. All you know is that in order to be a believer, you have to believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection of the dead. And you're just like, wow, okay, I guess if we're Christians, we're just jumping right in here. Like, to the outsider, it sounds crazy because it is, <laughs> you know, but, but it's one of those crazy things that if it were true, well, then everything changes, right? And, and so we, we have to recognize that, right? It's easy for us. We sing songs about it. It's, it's normal. For, yeah, Jesus rose from the grave. We celebrate it because of what it means for us. But when we're trying to share it with someone else or share who Jesus is, that's going to be something that sticks out. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Did you say that, that Jesus rose from the dead, like is, is still living? Yeah, actually, we do believe that. Uh, the resurrection acts then as a headline, right? It's a, a commercial, as a, as a billboard as, that, that dra- draws your attention, right, and forces you to decide what are we going to do. The resurrection invites a closer look at Jesus. 
I imagine it like this. Let's say you're on a very long road trip and you're driving uh, to make it specific across either Kansas or Nebraska, you know, the western portion. And it's been 20 minutes since the last exit. It's around dinner time. And all of a sudden, you see that big McDonald's billboard on the side. Now, you know I like McDonald's. What you might not know, Sherry's not as big a fan, right? Like, she, she makes do. But me and the boys, we're there, right? So if, if this hypothetical scenario happens and we're driving along the road, billboard for McDonald's in seven miles, what's going to happen inevitably is a conversation. Hey, what do you think about dinner? Maybe we could go there, right? Now, look, I don't know if we end up going there or not, but those are the two options, right? We saw it, we talked about it, we either decide, nah, we're going to choose something else. I don't want that right now. Or we're going to say, you know what, let's stop and let's check it out because I'm hungry. I have a felt need and that's offering what I need, so I'm going to go there. That's what the resurrection is. It's a billboard. We have a felt need for life. All of us, we crave life. Uh, That's in our human nature. We want that. And here's a billboard saying, resurrection. And so we can either decide, we say, eh, no, I'm good, you know, like, and we'll keep going. Or we say, you know what, let me check that out. Seven miles, great, I'll go. That's, that's the role the resurrection has when we share who Jesus is. Uh, again, Paul didn't lead with the resurrection, right? He's not, he's not trying to convince them the resurrection is true. It's, again, if you're trying to share Jesus, the goal isn't, well, here, the resurrection's true, and then once you believe that, here, let's learn everything else about Jesus. What I cut out before is he's talking all about Jesus and all about himself, who Jesus was to him, and the resurrection is included. We shouldn't shy away from the fact that we have something crazy that we believe, uh, like, I, I think some of us probably don't talk about the resurrection. I'd much, I'm much more comfortable saying, here's what Jesus means to me. Here's what he's done in my life. Here's what I think he can do in your life. That's safe, right? I mean, you don't really play the card that says, eh, I believe that a dead guy rose again. You know, I was like, hold on, do I have to believe that too to join? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we we kind of shy away from that. No need to. It's meant to be a billboard. It's meant to be a headline, and it's going to force a decision. Don't get discouraged if people are like, yeah, you're crazy. Be like, you know what? I am, but it's true. You know, I'm, I'm reasonable, right? I guess maybe Paul didn't say he was crazy. He said, no, I'm, 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 I'm fully present here. You know, this, this is logical. You don't have to lead with it, but you don't have to be ashamed with it. Tell about who Jesus is. And yeah, he did rise from the dead. That is something we believe. And, he, and here's the thing. Paul knew that this was going to be difficult for people to believe. It, the, the Bible doesn't even present it to us like, yeah, just, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. Jesus rose from the dead. As long as you can say it like I can say it, you're in, you know? Uh, no, he, he recognizes this is an incredible thing, an incredible thing to happen. When he, when he brings up the topic in his letter to the Corinthian church, this is 1 Corinthians 15, he pauses and he, he, he repeats a creed that was passed along to the early Christian believers. Uh, this is what, oh, I got this one in my Bible too because it's, I think, seven verses. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 15. It's gonna be verse Uh, three all the way down to nine. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, Cephas is Peter, it says in the footnote. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Paul doesn't add any other information about Christ dying or being buried, but about him rising, he says, and, and Peter saw it, 
So did all the 12. James saw it. So did all the apostles. And then he appeared to me. You know, and then you, oh, 500 people. I mean, you can even ask some of them now. Some of them have died, but some are still living. Like, this is credible. The, the one thing he adds additional information, right, supporting information to persuade them is the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Why? Because that's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. But again, if it's true, it changes the world. You, you know, and so it's incredibly important. Is this true, right? Do, do we know if it's true? Uh, now, there's books that have been written about uh, the validity of Jesus' death and resurrection. Is it true? Can we believe it? Uh, I want to give you just the three best arguments that I have for why I think uh, that Jesus rose from the dead because someone's going to want more information. They're going to grill you on this, and you've got to be prepared. Or maybe you yourself, you're kind of in that camp of like, yeah, I think I believe it, but I don't know, you know? No, it's, it's very much true. You know, you're uncomfortable, right, that I compared it to this hoax in the 1800s, people are going to start from there. They're going to start thinking fake news. Look, we live in an age of social media that where we're trying to get clicks and likes and shares, and so it doesn't matter if it's true or not. But to us, it really does. It matters if it's true. We don't believe in something that's false. Jesus did actually rise from the grave. So here's three things. I don't even have slides. So if you want to take notes, uh, take notes. Uh, first thing is what, what Paul said. There were eyewitnesses, lots of eyewitnesses, 500 eyewitnesses that Jesus was alive after he had been dead and buried. You could go ask them. Uh, we don't have any uh, sort of record, you know, you know, even outside the Bible, where their credibility was questioned. Like, oh, this person was lying, this person was lying. Um, we have real eyewitness accounts that Jesus was alive and appeared. And so some people might say, well, maybe... You know, they, they were all making it up. You know, it's a shared hallucination, but not with 500 people in different times and places. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like they all took the same drug and then they all saw something. It's like, no, this was him over here, him over here, him over here. These people over here, these 12 here, these 500 over there, go talk to them. Go talk to them and figure it out. I'm not just saying this. Um, and this creed uh, that Paul was saying is, is something that happened within a few years after Jesus died and was buried and resurrected. This isn't something that was invented hundreds of years later. All right, the second one is the fact that uh, extra-biblical accounts agree that Jesus lived and died. So, like, there's, there's really no question anymore that Jesus lived, that he existed. He's not a myth. He's not uh, magical. Uh, there, are, there are very credible accounts that say Jesus did live. He did die. Uh, he did teach. He was a religious leader. Um, and then some people claimed that he rose from the grave. That's what you have for extra-biblical accounts. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's never been a body, ever. If everyone agrees that they died, look, the, the account after Jesus rose was not that he hadn't died. It was that the disciples had stolen the body. Why? Because he died. Oh, he definitely died, and there is no body. So they must have taken it, right? There was never a, a theory, a hypothesis that Jesus didn't die, right, that he skipped town, that he, he went to India or something like that. You know, like, no, he died. We're all sure of that. It's just we can't find his body. And if... Look, everyone was against the early church. Uh, Jews were against it. The Romans were against it. Uh, an easy way to just shut these people up and make them go away is just show them where the tomb was. Well, here's the body, you know? Like, you're wrong, so get on with your lives. They never could. They couldn't stop Christianity because Jesus rose. <laughs> Jesus is alive. All right, the third one, the third one. The fact that all of those people that were eyewitnesses never recanted, right? So if they stole the body, 
right? Then perhaps one of them, for some sort of gain, would, would out themselves. All right, okay, all right, here, here's the deal. We made a plan that one night. Look, when you are trying to save your life, you, you make compromises, right? You know, it's like make a plea bargain, right? You want to go to life in prison, or if you rat your friend out, you know, I'll, I'll reduce it to 10 years. And then people do that, right? To save themselves, right? Or to gain wealth or to gain power, right? It's, it, you hold on to a lie. Check this out. The leaders of the early church all died or were in prison because of what they believed. They took it to the grave. Now, who takes a lie to the grave? They had to believe it was true. How, did, how does Christianity explode onto the map, spreads all over the Roman Empire and becomes such a dominant cultural force even in the past 2,000 years? These people were convinced it was true. If it's a lie, it peters out. Or, or the one person who's, who's pushing the lie, they die, and you're like, okay, well, now none of us care. You know, it's like, no, no, no. These people were convinced that Jesus actually rose from the grave. Those are my three best reasons for why I think it's happened, even though I wasn't there. I think we've got good accounts that Jesus definitely died, good accounts that there is nobody. Um, and then you just look at how these disciples changed and held on to this to their death and how everyone else spread. The people who could have talked to these people felt enough confidence that it was verified, you know, that Jesus is alive. And, and it matters. So if you're, if you're still wondering about it, check out a book, talk to me later, let's talk about it. Because if Jesus rose from the grave, it changes everything, more than if there's civilization on the moon. You know what I'm saying? Like, so much changes. Here, here's a sampling of what changes because Jesus rose from the grave. One, death changes from a period to a semicolon, right? De there's still a pause in life. There still is death, but it's not the end of the story, right? Just as in a book, when you get to a period, you're done, right? But a semicolon, you keep reading because there's something else that the author wants to say. Because Jesus rose from the grave, we can look at death and say, let's keep going because there is something else beyond that. You can look past death and see that there's some more to the story. Death is not the end. In a similar vein, funerals change from goodbye forever to until we meet again. Look, a lot of us are bad at goodbyes. You know, we had Thanksgiving, you know, we were with family, and then they went across the country back to their own homes, and we had to say goodbye. Ah, but see you later, right? Or until we meet again. You know, it's like, I don't want to make this final as if I'm never going to see you again. Well, because Jesus rose from the grave, we don't know how or when, but, but until we meet again, at some point, we'll be, we'll be reunited, right? We don't have to give a final goodbye as if it's the end, because death is a semicolon, and not a comma. All right, take a step back. Christianity itself changes from just a moral code to the story of all life. You see, a lot of people, again, outsiders, view Christianity as an option, right? That's cool for you. You want this for your family. It'll help you live a better life. I'm glad that you're doing better for them. I'm glad that it helps you get through whatever you need to get through or however people say it. Um, but it's not, nah, not for me or anything like that. that. That's the case if Jesus doesn't resurrect. But because Jesus resurrected, right, he's saying, like, I have the key to life. Like, like I, I am the creator of life itself, right? And so the claim that Jesus now makes is not just that I've created a religion, a path for you to follow, which he absolutely did. No, he's saying, like, I am the creator, <laughs> you know, of, of all, right, of all life. And so now everyone's included, right? So it's, it's this meta-narrative, right, where everything, right, he creates the entire world and he's moving it toward, toward uh, restoration and redemption and making everything right, all because he resurrected. If not, he's just a religious leader among many that you can pick. Ah, uh, you know, I'm actually a Buddhist. Ah, uh, I'm actually 
Hindu. I'm a Christian, right? No, no. He's, he's not one of many that we select. We don't come here just to help our kids grow up with moral code or ethics. We don't worship in order that uh, we have a crutch to get through the tough times in our life. No, when Jesus resurrected, he makes a claim that he is the author and creator of all life. And that means everyone's included. Even if you don't follow God, you're still a child of God. You know, like, like this isn't just a narrow path for some of us because we like religion. When Jesus resurrected, he's saying, no, this, this is reality. This is all of us. This is the world that we live in. All right, Jesus changes from history to current events, right? So if Jesus didn't resurrect, we could read about him in the Bible. We could study his teachings. We could learn the way that he left for us. But because he resurrected, we can talk with him, right? Like, like this, is, this is massive. This means that we can pray to him and expect a response, right? Like, for instance, last week, we spent an, an amount of time praying about Israel and Gaza and the war going on there because that was on our hearts. And now we can see, I mean, not, who knows the direct result from our prayer, but we're in day three of four of a pause to allow humanitarian you know, supplies, fuel, food, medical supplies, and hostages were released you know, on both sides. And it's like, these are the things that we prayed for, but we can expect God to work, right? Because look, if God, if God was dead, right? Jesus died and stayed there, then, then we wouldn't have any expectation that he's actively working in the world today. You know, we, we'd have to do the work, right? And, and, and so we grind and we push. But because he resurrected, because he's alive, we can expect that he's at work. We can expect he's here right now when we gather, that he's speaking through his word, that, we're gonna, that we can hear from him, right? You know, that the, the sign of resurrection that says, come closer, invites us a closer look at Jesus, that he's actually there to meet us at the stop when it's there all because he resurrected, right? Because now we can pray. Now we can be inside of our heart. We can have a relationship and not just a religion that we have to memorize and follow because of the resurrection. Key, key. That's us. It's our religion. All right, and then our purpose changes from nothingness to hope, right? If, if Jesus doesn't resurrect, then the cycle that we see nonstop, you know, birth, growth, death, uh, just kind of keeps going. That circle of life is present everywhere, right? That's the seasons. That's nature. Um, if we see ourselves, then, then you can kind of get into this uh, depressed state where you're like, well, nothing ever matters, right? I can't, anything that I build gets destroyed, right? Just look, look at history, right? You know, and the Roman Empire, yeah, where's that? Well, it's underground. You know, you can dig around and you can kind of see relics from it, but nothing ever lasts. Everything is torn down, but new things will come. It can lead to a spirit of, of hopelessness, of nothing. But because Jesus resurrected, well, there's hope. Is hope that it's not an endless cycle, but rather it's directional, right? Because there's some life that defeats death, that death can't touch. Paired that with Jesus saying, I will bring all things to their completion. I will make all things new. And he's the one who resurrected. Well, that gives us hope that now history itself is moving in a line. That there is progress being made toward the life that Jesus has promised to bring. And so our purpose now becomes not just, well, survive, make whatever you can because you know you're going to die. It's, well, what, how can I be a part of this? How can I be a part of where history itself is going? That gives us purpose and hope. We don't have that unless the resurrection itself is true. So feel free. Talk about the resurrection. It's important. It's important to believe it's true for you and for others. Don't lead with it. Like Paul, you know, it's, it's a part of your story. Tell who Jesus is. Tell who he is to you. And yes, he did resurrect. 
it's going to cause a couple reactions. Some people are going to be interested. Wait, do you actually believe that? I do. Here's why, right? Or like, here's, here's the importance of it. Other people are going to be like, nope, you're crazy. You're, you've gone too far. I don't know what Pastor Brad's telling you, but you're believing him too much, <laughs> you know? But that's okay. That's okay. Don't be discouraged. That happened to even Paul because he's saying it. But it's an opportunity for people to make a decision. It's that billboard where you say, okay, I got to either go check it out or, you know, we'll do, do the next thing. And God will give them another sign through someone else. Uh, but some of you aren't at that point. You're not comfortable, confident. You don't feel like you'd even want to share who God is to you because, well, you're not, not too sure about it, right? He's distant. You know, it's, it's a dry season, right? I mean, you're praying, you're here at church, uh, you're listening, you're reading your Bible, but man, it's just, he's not there. You're, you're reaching out, but he's not there, right? Metaphorically, it feels like you're driving through Western Kansas, right? Or, or Nebraska, if you're a Kansas person. <laughs> what about you? What does the resurrection mean for you? Cool story, right? You see the billboard? Yeah, cool. Don't want it, right? No, no, no. It's an invitation to go closer to Jesus. Even now, even here. Look, uh, when Paul talked about the resurrection to people that already had a background in, in Judaism, right, or God-fearers, you know, when he was on his missionary tours, uh, he, he used the resurrection in a different sense. I want to read from Acts chapter 13. And maybe some of you need to hear this. Uh, I'll start... I think I start in 28. I'll do Acts. Um, yeah, I'll start Acts chapter 28. We'll go all the way down to 38. All right, 28, Acts 13. Uh, he's in Pisidian, Antioch. Uh, place doesn't really matter. It's present-day Turkey. Uh, but he's sharing who Jesus is, and he's bringing the news that Jesus is the Messiah, that he did die, he did resurrect, right? So he's, he's kind of attaching, They've, they're already God-fearers, but they're more believing the Old Testament, and now he's bringing them Jesus. Oh, we're jumping right in the middle, sorry about that. It says, though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God, has, what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David, so it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Let me read the next one too. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. All right, there's a lot written there, and he's referring to a lot of these Old Testament passages. What the resurrection means, how he presents it, is that Jesus is the one, right? That God fulfills his promises, that God is faithful. You know, when, when Kim says, if you're in the graves and the gardens haven't bloomed yet, the resurrection is a reminder that God is faithful. Gardens are coming in him, right? You know, because they're waiting for a new David. You know, we did the whole series on the kings, right? And how every single king just had their, their Achilles heel. You know, they weren't quite it. But God had made this promise that through David, there would always be someone 
from his line on the throne. Paul's saying, it's Jesus. Look, because even in the Old Testament, it said, you won't let your Holy One see decay. Look, David decayed, <laughs> you know? Now, all of them decayed. Asa decayed, right? Hezekiah decayed. You know, we can go through all, all the good kings. Jesus didn't decay. He's alive. See, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but in Jesus, he resurrected from the grave. He did the thing that none of us were even thinking about because God keeps his promises. God is faithful. So if that's you right now, let the resurrection be an invitation for you to come closer to Jesus and to, to live in the reality that he's alive, to talk with him, to pray with him, to expect him to go to work, to bring things back to righteousness, to take the broken things and put them together. That's what the resurrection means. Peter, uh, who was Cephas in the, the other verse that we read, uh, writes in the introduction to his letter to Christian believers. This is 1 Peter 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, I want to leave this verse up, and I want us to reflect on this, but also to thank God, to praise him for the resurrection. We talk about the resurrection being the sign, this invitation to come closer to Jesus. I want to give you space to do that this morning. Uh, we're coming out of Thanksgiving. You're in the mood of being grateful. Talk with God. Tell him what you feel about the resurrection. Or if, or if being closer to him means telling him a few other things that you've been holding on to, let him know. Or if there's certain things of those points of what the resurrection changes, Thank him for that. If there's other things that you know it changes or you want him to change, there's graves you want him to turn into gardens, talk to him. Come closer to him. Let the resurrection, the reflection of the resurrection we're doing this morning bring you closer to Jesus. Take the exit. Click the link. <laughs> take the bait. God wants you to come closer through him. So take a couple minutes. Pray silently in your chairs, uh, just you and God, and then I'll come up and I'll close us in prayer at the end. Lord, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your life. And thanks that we can have you uh, present uh, with us in our lives, here in our church, in our community, in our world. And thank you for the direction that you're taking us. Thank you for your promise for restoration. Thank you for your faithfulness and so much more, God. I pray that you would make your resurrection real to us. I pray for the people in here that it just sounds like something written on a page that you just say you believe in. I pray that it would come alive. I pray that you would meet them where they're at. I pray that you would draw them in, invite them closer to you. And I pray that you'd prove your realness to us as we pray to you, as we lay down our burdens before you. I pray that you'd give us the comfort, the peace, the direction that we seek. May you be glorified. May you be magnified. May we hear from you, God, in this church, in this place, and everyone else. Uh, in Castle Rock. May you draw us to you, God. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen.